Hey guys and girls, you want to see the Mod Father in action? Well now you can. Here's some upcoming dates. April 1st, I'll be at the Skyline Pavilion, Brogna Regis, for New Generation Wrestling, ngwuk.com. April 2nd, I'll be at Walkabout Cardiff for Attack Pro Wrestling, facebook.com forward slash Attack Pro Wrestling. April 8th, I'll be at the Forest Town Arena, Nottingham, for Hope Wrestling, hopewrestling.co.uk. April 15, I'll be at the Skyline Pavilion once again, Bogdan Regis, New Generation Wrestling, ngwuk.com. 23rd of April, I'll be at the Electric Ballroom, Camden, London, for Progress Wrestling, progresswrestling.com. Be sure to come out and support me and the rest of the guys and girls representing British wrestling, as each week we tear it apart. Hey everyone, how's it going? And welcome to episode 33 of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. As always, I am the undisputed king of the mods, Morgan Webster. Or more importantly, for the next 45 minutes to the hour, to the hour and a half, however long this conversation with RJ Singles this week, I will be your host, or as I like to see it, facilitator for these chats, discussions, gatherings. You know me, I absolutely love that word, gatherings, with your wrestling favourites, or as I like to call them, my buddies, my pals, my acquaintances, whatever. But more importantly, as always, they're always my wrestling friends. Here's the boring part, people. You already know this, of course, if you are listening. But this podcast does come to you free of charge every Wednesday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Act, or wherever, wherever you get your podcast from. But guys, please be sure to rate, subscribe, review, because hey, I'm hitting, I'm getting multiple thousands now of downloads, which is absolutely great. I'm really, really pleased for that. But I've probably got about 46, 47 maybe reviews. So you guys are loving it because you're downloading every week. But uh, let some other people know. Tell a friend. Maybe review on iTunes. Maybe review on whatever else you're listening to on Stitcher. Maybe review me on Stitcher. But please, as I said, just make sure you are reviewing. Because by doing that, it does open us up to new listeners. Because it does help me push my way up those podcast lists. And it is free of charge, of course. So at least give something a little bit back. Of course, speaking of giving something back, if you do... If you do want to give something back, then you can head over to our sponsors, which are unprofessionalwrestling.co.uk. They're a brand new wrestling outlet coming to London. I'll go into a little bit more detail about them during the show. But yeah, go check out unprofessionalwrestling.co.uk. Sponsors this week. Of course, head over to morganwebs.bigartel.com. It's a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So maybe pick up a DVD. Maybe pick up a picture. There are no t-shirts. Sold out. But I will have some new ones on sale this weekend at a tax walkabout show. So I'm going to have a brand new t-shirt design, designed by the lovely Christopher Brooks. And I will have an old favourite, the best selling one that I've ever done. If you guys probably can guess which one that is. And I'll be bringing that back out with a little bit of a twist. Maybe a few new colours. So yeah, just head over to morganwebs.bigcartel.com. Check that out. Maybe grab a DVD. Or if it is a week or two down the line now, of course, go ahead over there and pick up one of those brand new t-shirts I've got coming out. Or that uh, revamped one that I'm also bringing out. Of course, I do understand that uh, if you are a struggling independent wrestler like me, or maybe you're just a struggling working man or woman, I do not expect you to give anything back. I do not. It's not something you have to do. Just give me a shout out. Give me a shout out on social media. I'm on the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Flash Webster. I'm also on the Twitter 
at Flash underscore Morgan. Or if you do want to send me some tech advice, or maybe you want to be a sponsor, like this week's sponsor, Unprofessional Wrestling, or maybe you want to book me for an upcoming event, gig, seminar, whatever, then please head over to my email, which is flashmorgan at live.co.uk. I absolutely love seeing those tweets, love seeing those Facebook posts, and I absolutely love seeing those emails. So please, please, please head over to those outlets and give me a shout out. This week's guest is RJ Singh. And it's absolutely fantastic. Straight out the bat, it really is. I was done a progress this Sunday and I got to sit down with RJ. And this one is a proper retrospective of his career. We talk about everything. It's sad in parts. It's enlightening. It's funny. It's everything you could ask from a podcast. It really is. And I'm, he's wanted to do it for ages, as it tells, because he has his stories ready. And I think that's a great thing. If I've, uh, I've asked you to be on the podcast, or I do ask you to be on the podcast in future, then just get these get these stories ready, because it's all about you selling yourself. And he does this perfectly. He's a really great storyteller. And as I said, he really takes us on a really big journey. And it's absolutely fantastic. I'm not going to go into too much detail, because I always give too much away with these little chats at the beginning. So I'm going to leave it as that. So yeah, I was on a progress this Sunday. day before, of course, I was at Down at Chaos. Had an absolute stormer with the wild boar. He's one of my favourite people again in the, in the ring with. And this one was not different. I think this one really opened everyone's eyes to the fact that I really am as close to 100% as I have been in a long time. So we went out there and absolutely killed it. There's this crazy hurricane round I drew off the stage. Loads of dives. Kicked out of the trap I keep people. Kicked out of that package pile driver Hitch does. I'm only the second, no, third person to ever do that. Mark Andrews, Pete Dunn. Good company to be in. And we absolutely killed it. And then I gave my, gave a little bit of a speech at the end. I'm not going to go into uh, too much detail. Go check that out when it is up on UK Wrestling On Demand. So go check that out. It's absolutely great. And then of course I said, Sunday I had to pop down to Progress. And a lot of people are thinking, well, you wasn't on the Progress show. No, but this is the wonderful thing about Progress. You see, Progress, when they, when they fill their cards, they've got so many good wrestlers on the roster. When they fill their cards... And they're not able to accommodate certain people. Some people are paid to come down and they pay to sit in the back and be a match producer. So you end up going to the back and you end up relaying any message John, Jim or Glenn need. And you also survey and look over some of the younger people on the roster. Some people who are not as mature or not as experienced. And you kind of give them guidance and, and help them. So I kind of went down and did that. They're, they've done this with a few people now. Mike Whiplash has done it. So has Mark Haskins. Mark Haskins, of course, wasn't on the Manchester show two weeks ago. But he was there. He was a match producer in the back. So it's great to go down there. And hey, I'm getting paid to sit and watch wrestling. And that's... It's... What what better job is there? So, yep, good done this Sunday. Got to relay everything. Got to kind of help some people piece stuff together. And figure out how they need to do stuff. Or how they had to put angles across. And just got to sit down and watch the show. Can I just say that Walter and Riddle is probably one of my favourite matches I've seen in the last year. If you haven't seen it, head over to Progress On Demand. And check that out when it drops in about two, three weeks time. It's absolutely incredible. It's such a really great slow burner. And it had me and everybody else in that building proper enthralled from start to finish. Definitely, definitely go check that out. But yeah, I was at Chaos on Saturday. Probably went hell to level with that. And then Sunday I was on at Progress. And uh, I got to sit down with RJ Singh. Got another one as well with uh, Tony Storm. So that'll be next week's episode. And it was, as I said, it's absolutely great. Great to just sit down and chat with my friends and uh, match produce. So 
I think that really does sum up everything. Back in the gym, hit a PB yesterday, I think. Yeah, yesterday I did hit a PB, that's right, with squats, which is good. I've been to squat for a while. And a good chest session today. Chest is really, feeling really sore, so I'm lifting heavier in the in the gym. My cardio is getting better, and my matches are getting longer and more intense and a lot better as well. So that means I really, really am probably as close to 100% as I've been in a very, very long time, which is great. And I've now got a full weekend that's coming up now at uh, NGW on the Saturday, and... Attack Pro Wrestling on the Sunday, which I'm very, very excited about. But I think that covers everything. I'm gabbering on as I usually do. But yeah, I think that covers everything. Uh, plugs out the way. Sponsors out the way. My week in review out the way. So I guess that's all I have to say is sit back, people. Relax and enjoy. RJ Singh, as he proves to you exactly why Singh is king. Enjoy, people. It's absolutely fantastic. And we are rolling. I'm joined you today by uh, RJ Singh. How you doing? I'm so, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited. I've been telling you for weeks. I'm excited to be in the to be on this. You're so. like, oh, we're, we're on NGW. We're not at NGW right now. But you're like, I'm on NGW. Let's get this. Get this done. It's like, we will. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's because uh, um, I'm not really a podcast person. I don't really listen to podcasts until uh, really recently, where. I keep having this really weird thing at the moment where I'm, get, I'm getting booked on my own. <laughs> like, so I'm driving to shows on my own most of the time. Yeah. Um, so someone said, oh, you should listen to podcasts. And said, you know, cause I've, I've gone through my entire album collection. So so I started with yours and I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is great. Oh, like, thank you. Know, listening, to, <laughs> listening to some. So yeah, no. So what you're telling me is you want to you be able to listen to yourself on the on the Pretty much. In the car. I, I like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I was the same that, uh, because I'm up in Stafford, sometimes I'll drop everyone off, and then I've got an hour, last hour on my own, and I find that if music's on, I do feel a bit drowsy, but mm. if I can listen and talk and stuff like that, it really does. Yeah, definitely. Help me feel that. So, how I usually don't start these, I'm always like, uh, strip up. so what is your first memory of wrestling, or what attracted you to wrestling? For me, it's, looking back, it's like the late 80s WWF. WCW. Um, it's really funny because a while ago, a lot of the guys who I kind of, my generation, I call them of wrestlers, were sort of talking about how they were inspired by a world of sport, and I think that's a bit of a lie. <laughs> I think it's a bit of a lie because it's like, if you're, bang, my bang, age, baby. if you're my age, right, if you're my age, like, we sort of, like, I had this very early recollection of the end of world of sport, like, you know, uh, Giant Hate Stacks, Big Daddy, but, you know, and I kind of remember seeing it on TV, but it's not very vivid of a memory compared to like WWF and WCW at the time. So, and you know, I think a friend at school must have got a tape or something because, you know, VHS kids, this is, um, you know, that's the only way you could watch uh, American wrestling, obviously back then, we're talking late 80s here, is if someone... Um, Skype, Skype was Sky, Sky, yeah, yeah, and Sky wasn't so readily available. So like, you had to find that rich kid who in class yeah. didn't like that Sky. Who, who just leech onto him, I know that feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I remember growing up watching like, the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan and those are the guys that I watch you know these kind of superhero kind of guys marginal life big absolutely. colours absolutely and like you know and I, th- I kind of sometimes sit back and think what really does attract me to wrestling and <laughs> it's kind of like the flashing lights and the colours and the, sort of the loud noises you are a child <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it's all that kind of thing that, that really got me into it and I've got this really vivid memory of um, anyone my age hopefully remember this it was a WCW Worldwide on ITV but it was on at like one o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. Okay. So there was a program, uh, there was like a Vietnam program called uh, Tour of Duty. Um, I remember it, I remember the program because it had uh, Rolling Stones Paint It Black was the theme song. Okay. It was amazing. Um, so that would be on uh, till about sort of, you know, that would finish around 12.45. And then there was a student cooking program 
called Get Stuffed, which was like this five to ten minute, like, if you're a student, how to learn to cook for yourself program. Okay. And then following that, WCW Worldwide. How old was you at this point? I mean, uh, this was like the 90s, a really early 90s, so I would have been about sort of eight to nine. Why was you up at one o'clock in the morning? Well, that's it, I wasn't supposed to be. That was the great part of it. So there's like the excitement of like, not only am I staying up till one in the morning, um, but it was also to watch uh, WCW Worldwide. So I was like, no, that's amazing. And um, and that was really, like I said, that was the only way you could watch wrestling back then. You either stayed up really late on ITV to watch that, or, or like I said, you had to get a friend who um, who could get hold of the, who could, you know had Sky or could get hold of the videotapes. And then from there, I really distinctly remember sort of in the early nineties, remembering asking for Christmas presents from my parents of like, could I have like Survivor Series on um, on VHS? So I remember having like Survivor Series '88 and '89 on tape and. A friend of mine at school, um, he was also a big wrestling fan, and he had like UK Rampage '92 and stuff <laughs> like that, and all these great, you know, all these great videos. And that was, those are definitely the first things I remember of, you know, of watching. Uh, um, so, well. when did you make the transition then, of thinking this is something I, I want to do? I mean, I, I loved wrestling like through most of my childhood, um, and it kind of like, I, I, you know, I grew up in um, in Hartford, which is a very very small town, you know, you know, sort of out in the countryside. And um, what was what was what was the family life like? Um, oh, I had a great family. I had a great family life growing up. Like, uh, my parents, um, like, you know, my mum's from the Caribbean. Uh, she's from Trinidad. She came over here when she was 18 years old and okay. uh, met my dad, who's from Norfolk, um, which isn't as exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite as exciting and exotic as my mum. And, you know, we had a great family life. Me, you know, me and my brother and, you know, our parents. Um, we had a re- you know, very, pri- not, yeah, I would say privileged upbringing. We weren't rich, but, you know. Was your middle class? Yeah, very yeah. middle class. And, like, you know, I was very fortunate. So, you know, I was very fortunate to kind of have, the, you know, the upbringing that I did. Um, and I kind of, like, get my work ethic from my mum, who, like, literally came over here with nothing. Like, she, you know, 18 years old, she came over to this country, like, to be a nurse. And she had, like, you know, she had nothing, basically. She, her family saved all their money to send her over here. Um, oh. And she built an entire life for herself. And, like, she's, like, got a PhD and stuff. And, like, she's just... Her work ethic is just unbelievable. She just put every step of her life... She kind of just pushed herself and pushed herself to the next, you know, the next level. She's absolutely my role model. Uh, definitely is my mum. Um, which is why, like, just just like earlier this year, I got like a pair of uh, Trinidad uh, flag wrestling trunks with like the crest on the back, and like she cried when I showed it to her. I showed her the trunks, and she actually cried because she was like so touched by it. So it was a really nice, um, it was a really nice moment to show her that. So, but um, growing up where I did, I kind of had my one friend who I was growing up with who was a wrestling fan, but no one else really was. So it's kind of, and it became one of those things of like lots of my friends grew out of wrestling, yeah, but I didn't, and I still liked it. And it got to the point where like a lot of my friends, sort of ten, eleven, were going you know it's not real right you know, fa- you know wrestling's all fake and all that and I was like oh okay I still love you know I still love wrestling so I was a big big wrestling fan and through my teens and then and then we got Sky great we yep. finally got Sky yep. um, so we had Sky um, for a while and I, I used to watch wrestling through like 95 and 96 and I was watching both WWF and WCW because um, you could get them on the like, TNT channels you've got to pick a side which was you on oh that's so hard like like I, I love WCW. I think, do you know what? I, at heart, I'll always love WCW, and I really miss WCW. I'm, I'm watching, like, I'm going back on the network and watching all like the old nitros at the moment, and I love WCW. I think it had such a because it was so different, you know. And I think in the, you know those early days, it was such a good, good wrestling promotion, and they had some really fun stuff. And I think obviously, you know, they never really had anyone driving the ship as well as WWF did, which is why ultimately. 
WWE well, they were beating them in the ratings for so long that the, a lot of people go, oh, really, you were WCW? But it's like, there must have been a reason that the people were tuning to WCW yeah, for exactly. so long. It was just, they just couldn't keep it up and eventually then... Absolutely. And I think they've just, they ran out of ideas as yeah. well, didn't they? They did everything. They just threw everything yeah. at Because I was watching the early stuff of like, um, I was watching the early NWO stuff the other day where NWO first come in and it's like, oh my God, this is so different. This is so new and stuff. But then like, you could see like, even in those early days, like, they were just like pummel savage like everyone would literally just take their turn just pummeling him in and making him look terrible and it's like then they just kept doing that though didn't they that was the yeah. problem they just kept doing it and they didn't sort of put anything fresh into it enough that so you know you can imagine like they often they tell stories don't they of there's a lot of guys on the rosters who are like shit I want to be in the I want to be in the yeah, NWO so I don't get beat up. <laughs> just don't get beaten up every week so um, and I really miss WCW I, you know, I, I often wish WCW was still around because I'm such a big fan of it and Sting I think Sting was probably hands on heart one of my favourite wrestlers ever um, which, was, which of course we'll get into but you've got to uh, of course to yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah so it's um, and he was, he was definitely one of my favourites so I think I was a WCW guy uh, WCW guy at heart so um, and I used to watch it was really funny because there was a German channel I think it was, like, it was called DSF which was like Deutsche Sport for Sein or something like that uh, and they used to show they showed ep- different episodes of WCW so if you just had to part with the German commentary which was fine <laughs> and like I, I watched it there so you know all throughout my sort of mid-teens I was still watching wrestling which was great um, and then unfortunately my parents got divorced around oh, I want to say like 95 ni- 96 yeah. around or I think I think my, my yeah my parents got divorced around 95 so we had to move house and like my mum decided not to not to buy get Sky again so um, which I stopped, of course we decided with your father and, and, and yeah, no, 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 yeah. So it's um, it's like it was, it was it was a bit um, it was obviously a bit of a shitty time, and so it was like I kind of stopped watching wrestling. For, like, so I literally missed like the dawn of the Attitude Era. So I kind of just saw the beginning of the NWO, which is why I'm watching it back now because yeah. I didn't see it at the time. Um, I missed like the dawn of the, the Attitude Era. I missed the dawn of like you know the NWO and all that throughout '96 and '97 till about '98 when I, I met this girl. I was going. I said, girl. Um, I, should, I shouldn't sound so proud when I say this. I met this girl. I was like 17 and she was like 23. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't sound proud of that. I am. Um, <laughs> I totally am. Um, and she, uh, she had Sky. And hers. And I'd kind of be like, can I watch wrestling? Is that like, oh, wrestling's on. Like, you know, so I started watching um, Superstars on Sunday yeah. morning, like WWF Superstars. And by this point, there was so much had changed because so much does change. If you like step away from wrestling for like a year and then you start... So much can change yeah. in that time. So I was like, "Hey, that's the one, two, three kid, but he's got a beard and he's he's, he's called X Pac now, and, and he's like, pretty cool now. Yeah, and he's like, he's really cool, and like, you know, oh, and there's like Di Brown, I've not heard of him, and Val Venus, and all these like guys I'd never seen before, and like, and I was like, oh, Steve Austin, he was like stunning Steve Austin in WCW, and like, oh, oh, he's really big now. I was like the champ now and stuff. So I was like, all of this was like, wow, and like, I just fell in love with it again, like, even though I hadn't like watched wrestling or done anything with wrestling for all that time to so, like just watching it again on those Sunday mornings just like reinvigorated my love for it and I was just like oh god I remember how much I've, I've missed wrestling um, and then I then had to go back to just again getting a friend who had Sky <laughs> to record it on VHS for me well, so, well I, I was that friend to a lot of the people yeah. a lot of the boys just record it and then I used to give them and then they used to record that and then give it back. Of course, I mean, and that was the only way to watch it. So, I mean, like, when you think how readily available wrestling is now, like, on our phones and our tablets and, 
and yeah. stuff like that. How, just how so easy it is to watch wrestling now. Back then, it was so hard to just you know just watch a pay per view. I will just say, this, I think the network needs to add a download feature. That would be awesome. Yes, that would be so good. Go, then I think that would be so good. Well, Netflix has just got it, so hopefully it'll work. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully they've, they've kind of gone along that Netflix model, haven't they? So. Yeah, so, so when did you make the transition to actually uh, pursuing wrestling? Um, well, I was I was doing my I just started my teaching degree. Um, I think I was which is hell on earth, by the way. This <laughs> yes, yes, you know the pain of of a teaching degree. That's what you do. Um, which can be pretty tough at times, let me tell you. So, I, I, you know, at point in my life, I decided to become a teacher. Um, and I was at university, I was uh, training to be a primary school teacher. And I think I'd, I was in my first year, and I'd done my first teaching practice, which was a five-week-long teaching yep. practice, where, you know, I was teaching like 50% of the time, and the, the class teacher was teaching the rest. Um, and I just happened to be walking through Hartford, which is where I live, I live now. Um, and there was a poster on the wall for live wrestling, uh, it's a venue called Castle Hall. It's now called the Hartford Theatre. Um, and there's a poster for wrestling. And I was like... And I just saw it straight. And the thing that really attracted me was it was a poster for uh, FWA when FWA was in its very early stages. Okay. But the thing that caught my eye is the FWA belt, if anyone ever knows their British wrestling history very well, the FWA belt was the same model as the classic WWF Intercontinental belt. Okay. So I, that's what caught my eye because I'm such a huge... Uh, everyone talks about I'm such a huge mark for belts like okay. I'm such a big especially classic belts I'm a real real fan of like classic belts like the IC that classic IC belt is my favourite belt ever made followed closely by the winged eagle of course um, and that's what caught my eye I was like oh wow it's live wrestling because like, I'd never seen a live wrestling show like ever I'd never cause, because like my you know I don't think my, pa- my parents were like they were you know they didn't really encourage yeah, or for fans of it anything like that so you know and I, so I never really went to any live shows as a child so um it was my first time to see it, and I just finished my teaching practice. I was like, "Oh, do you know what? I'm going to go check out this this show. This, you know, why not? It's in my hometown. It's like, you know, seven o'clock in the evening. So, I bought a ticket and I went to watch it, and it was dire. <laughs> it wasn't. Did you know it was dire? <laughs> oh yeah. It's like, well, I say that it was dire, but I sat there with wide eyes, like, this is cool. Like in my head, I'm like, this is cool because it's wrestling and it's happening in front of me. But like, there was like 20 people in the crowd. Now, Castle uh, Hartford Theatre is a big venue. Like, and you could get, like, good 500, 600 in there. Okay. There was, like, 20 people there. Um, it wasn't good. Um, but there were guys, there was, Doug Williams was on that card, uh, Jody Fleisch, Johnny Storm, Alex Shane, uh, Mark Sloan, Paul Travell. All these guys who would, like, build the FWA, basically, were on this card. Um, and it wasn't very good, but I was enthralled by it. I was like, this is great. I actually love this. And, um... I think I, I, Mark Sloan was walking around uh, after the show and I just thought, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to someone. Like, you know, why not? Because I was about, I'm trying to think how old I was. I was I think I was about 18 at the time. Um, and I went up to Mark and I was like, oh, hi, you know, like, um, you know, great show. You know, it wasn't a great show, but <laughs> that's what you say. Um, great show. <laughs> For anyone listening who's trying to get was, the business. I was being polite. I was being polite, you know. I was like, so, and I said to him, and so I just got talking to him and stuff like that. And, um, and I said to him, I just flat out went, so how do you become a wrestler? And he went, why, are you interested? I went, well, yeah, okay. Like, I, wasn't, I wasn't until he asked me that question. And he just said, well, look, if you wanted to be a wrestler, and this is the best bit of advice I think I've, you know, I've ever been given, if you want to be a wrestler, don't let anyone tell you you can't be. And that just really stuck with me, and I was like, okay. So I took one of their flyers um, because... For training. For training, yeah. And their website, I think it was just their general website one, actually. Um, and this is just at the time when I was just learning what a website was. <laughs> like, just learning what the internet was. Of course, like, it's like, crazy to me now to think of this, right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I, I didn't, like, look at the internet until I was, like, 17 because, like, it just... 
wasn't sort of a thing that was a, there in our lives. It wasn't part of our lives back in. I'm talking. What am I talking now? This is like 2000, 2001. Yeah, mine must have been about 13, 14. Yeah, I mean, I remember at school, just before I left school around that time, like WWF had a website, but I didn't really, you know, I didn't really look at the internet very much because I just didn't know what it was, didn't know how to use it. Um, But I I looked on the FWO website and they had this little link at the side for training uh, weekenders because Mark Sloan used to run training weekenders down in his school in Portsmouth. He had like the FWO school in Portsmouth. He had had like a warehouse and where he had his ring and his mats and stuff. And down there is where um, he would run weekenders so you could go Friday, Saturday, Sunday and take part in a training weekender. Um, And I just thought, why not? Like, I'm going to do it. I was like, why? So I looked at the dates he had one. And by this time, I think this was heading into 2001, I noticed he had a training weekender. And there was one that came up the weekend I finished my second teaching practice. So my second teaching practice was six weeks long and like teaching 70% of the time. Hell yes. Which (laughs) you really start to feel by that time, you know. And um, you... uh, I said to myself, oh, you know, that'd be a really cool thing to do after I finished my teaching practice the weekend after to go do wrestling training. You know, why not? So I rang up Mark Sloan. I was like, I paid, paid for it and did all that. And so, you know, I booked my train ticket down to Portsmouth. I was lucky I had a friend who was staying at your university in Portsmouth. So I spoke to her and I was like, can I just stay at yours for like, uh, you know, two nights? I'm going to be yeah. down in Portsmouth. Um, and she was like, yeah, that's not a problem. That's okay. Um, so I, uh, I went down there and it was... Um, I walked in and the ring was already full of guys and like Mark was putting everyone through their warm-ups and stuff and like I literally just could not wait to get in um, and that weekend I don't think I've ever ached so much in my entire life like just every muscle of my body was absolutely shot to pieces come that Sunday I think like by that by the Sunday Mark had worked so hard like they were doing one thing they were like can you do a cartwheel and I was like yeah I can do a cartwheel I went to do a cartwheel and my arms just collapsed like, under the, <laughs> like the sheer weight of my own body I couldn't even support my own body weight by this point just because we were so run ragged yeah. from like <clears throat> you know the training um, but it was an amazing weekend like you know first, just that first experience of being in a wrestling ring of running ropes of learning to bump of which it was all just brand new, you know, and it was so enthralling at the time. And I was like, I absolutely love this. And what was really interesting, I mean, that must have cost like 150 quid for like the weekend. And like 50% of the people walked out, like just because they couldn't take couldn't hack like, it. all the, all the, you know, how much exercise they were being asked to do. And like, I was like, why would you walk out on this? This is like the best thing ever, you know? So I was really surprised. And we got to meet um, Dominator from EWW. Yeah, no, Because a couple of those guys came down as well. So we got to meet them. So, And I had that initial training with uh, with Mark Sloan and James Ty, who was like Mark's top student, and yep. Justin Richards yep. was the other guy there as well. And I got some really good feedback on that from them. And um, I said to them at the end of the weekend, like, and Mark actually said, oh, you did really well. Like, you know, you've got some potential. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's quite nice to hear. Like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't totally useless. Um, and he said, so do you, are you thinking of carrying on? And I said, I'd like to, but um, I said, I'm going to struggle to get down to Portsmouth, you know, on weekends and things like that. Because I was, obviously I was a student for a start, yep. which I mean, very little money. Um, and I was living in London, in uh, North London, Southgate at the time. Um, so I said, oh, I don't, I don't really know what to do. And he said, well, actually... Um, we're opening up another school in London, like being run by Alex Shane. Um, he's going to open up a school in London. Um, here's his contact number. So he gave me Alex's contact number and I rang Alex up and I spoke to him and I said, oh, hi, you know, I've, I've just been doing a training weekend with Mark Sloan. It went really well. And, um, you know, I understand you're going to be opening up a school in London. He, Did he promise you the world at this point? Is, is he always no, been the same? No, no, no. Do you 
actually, to be fair, like Alex has always been pretty straight with me. Like, okay. like I, I'm one of Alex's biggest supporters, uh, only because he's always always done right by me. Like, whenever he's had a new venture or something, he's always like brought me on board, or, or you know, and he's always guided me. Uh, no, I like well, Alex. So. Alex has always been good yeah. with me. But sometimes I stand there and he's saying stuff, and I'm like. Are you believing what you're saying? <laughs> I think you have Which to be. Which is cool. Right? Yeah, I, I, I think for someone in his position, you have to be like that and you have to build That's up That's why he succeeds and, and stuff. Like exactly, and yeah. Stuff. I think you have to build up dreams and you have to kind of show people that it is possible. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of what's happening now, Alex did say this will come around eventually. Yeah. And it, well, he was right. It did come around eventually and big things are happening for people. So, um, And luckily for me, his training school was in Finsbury Park, which was like seven tube stops from Southgate oh, where I was so so simple and really easy uh, the best part was though um, I saw, when I spoke to him I said oh so when, what classes have you got and he said, was like well the adult class is on a Sunday and the, um, but I do have a, and have a kids class on a Saturday now my problem was is that I was working a part time job at Waitrose like the local Waitrose at the time and I was like that's double money obviously that was like double money on a Sunday and I didn't really want to give that up because that was like pretty much my only income as a student so I was like, okay, um, I'm not sure I can really come to the adults class. Um, and he went, well, you know, you could come to the kids class. And I was like, right. He goes, I goes, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll speak to a couple of guys because there's a couple of guys um, who want to train more than just the Sunday. They, they're coming on the Sunday, but they want to have more time to train. Um, and, and to be fair, like we were just training in like a judo room. So it was just okay. like, you know, just matted, everything matted and crash mats, things like that. So I was like, he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll speak to a couple of guys if they want to come down and do the Saturday and then you can sort of do the kids class but you can obviously work with, you know, yeah, adults. So I was like, I'll take it because I was just desperate at this point. I was like, yeah, I just want to wrestle. I want can I just say I think it's crazy things. that they have kids classes? Bonkers, right? You know, I think, I, you know, I, it's funny but I think it can be done, I think you can do kids classes in a way and there's a bit, I've had a bit of a, not an argument with wrestlers over this. Um, because there's some wrestlers who've got the view of like you shouldn't be training kids to wrestle you should be just selling tickets to kids and getting them into shows and, which I totally agree with you know you should be um, but I've seen I have seen lots of people places do like junior classes before um, I do think you have to put an age limit I think you have to be very careful about what you're going to do uh, with kids obviously I think like tombstones are probably off the, you know, off the menu I think but in um, general their body but, um, I think their bodies isn't yeah, I mean, I mean, but I think I think the way I would do it is if I, if I was going to do it is I would I wouldn't be doing bumping. I'd be doing everything else around fitness, and I'd be doing okay. a lot of the, I'd be focusing on the fitness side of wrestling with kids. And okay, like lots that. of rolls, so, lots of leaps. Yeah, lots of sleeps. I mean, I, I've, t- I've done some stuff, and the thing I've done in school, which um, I, I th- where did I steal this off? I stole it off Newsround, <laughs> like a, a school that was doing it, where they the, there was a school that was doing they called it tag wrestling, but not as in what we call tag wrestling, as in you know those uh, tag rugby, you know the yep. belts, the velcro belts with the tags. They were doing just a game of that where the kids wear the belts with the tags on it, and the aim is to get the opponents. Um, off, 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 yeah. But what this school was doing though is they were letting kids have like get dressed in costumes and like have ent- entrances and stuff, and like so they were making like a this, is, inc- club out this of it. is incredible. I know, right? So I've th- I've done that at my school though as well. I've done we've done it before where like um, for like a sports day where I was like oh the wrestling with the kids and they're like oh and I was like and then I just say well, it's not this tag wrestling and they love it absolutely that's awesome it. it's the best thing ever so. Um, so yeah, so there was that, that, there was that kid, you know, and so so going back to that point, I think that's that's the kind of thing I would do with kids rather than the bumping and the yeah. that sort of thing. But I would do a lot of the a lot of the fitness stuff. Um, so yeah, so I went to the kids' class and then and he brought uh, sticks uh, along, and that was the first time that's where I met sticks. That was a downfall um, of it all. That was it? it. That's where my life went downhill after that. Um, and sticks was one of the wrestlers who were there, and we obviously became like friends uh, ever since that point. Um, 
And yes, and that's where I learned to wrestle just in the Saturdays. And then eventually I got to a point of like, in my third year of teaching, I was like, right, so this, I'm going to just get a bigger loan. <laughs> I'm not going to work anymore. I'm just going to take out the maximum loan I can take out. Um, so I took out a really big loan. And I was like, right, I'm not working Sundays anymore. So, and then I was able to, um, yeah, from that point, I was able to actually train on the Sundays, um, which led to um, then Alex giving me a spot on the show. So eventually then you, it was to build up to get a split, a yeah. split on FWA. Yeah, because at the time FWA used to do it was pretty much like a, what we'd call a dark match. Yeah. Um, but it was, it, and it was literally branded as a trainee match. They'd call it. They'd call it a trainee match. So, um, with the shows FWA were doing, because they were they were doing shows in London and Portsmouth, and so if it was a Portsmouth show, Mark's students would get a spot to kick off the show with like a six man tag or something like that. Um, and in London, Alex would give a spot to some of us to do. And he already had a couple of the trainees. So, like, he had Sticks and another guy called Pat. They were already on the shows as his uh, bodyguards. Yep. Because Alex used to come out with, like, some bodyguards as part of his entrance. So he would... Um, he, so those guys already had a spot, and he was looking for, to get other guys on there. And so I think it was November 2001, he rang me and said, oh, you know, I've got a training spot for you if you want to take it. It's going to be against uh, Hadrian, a guy called Hadrian, who was Hade Vanson. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, I know who he is, yep. Hey Vanson, who um, was one of the standouts of FWA, and obviously he got he got like signed to eventually got signed to WWE. Uh, was in Florida. What was NXT before it was NXT? FCW. FCW. He was in F- he was in FCW for a time as well, um, and he got one promo on SmackDown, and then they just canned him, <laughs> which was really bizarre. He did this promo. He got like he had this promo where like it kind of the screen went fuzzy, and it was just a headshot of Hade, and he. Um, it was like some sort of cult leader kind of type gimmick. Okay. And he was talking to someone unnamed. And the, the rumour is, the rumour is it was supposed to be The Undertaker. And it was going to lead to a feud with The Undertaker or something like that. And then apparently Vince saw it and just went, nope. And just canned it. And then they let him go. Bizarre. would you be if you were told that you were going to be... I know, right? Because you'd, like, you'd be like, I'm sad. I'm sad. You'd be yeah. sad. So everyone who Undertaker touches usually is after that is set that's like, it and then just suddenly bang just, just canned like that so he then left wrestling after that um, but he stayed out in America um, and then I think he's a photographer and he acts as well like if you see the um, the trailer for the new mummy film there's a new mummy film with Tom Cruise yep. one of the opening shots is they're on a plane and there's two soldiers sitting opposite Tom Cruise one of those soldiers is Hay Vanson. Sick, so, I'm going to look at this. So if you go back and see it, you'll see it. I'm going to look at so, this. Yeah, and I think like he's, I mean, he was a guy who just loved life anyway. And was just, you know, he, he's the kind of guy who'd always land on his feet. So oh, that's cool. And so I had my debut match with him and he was awesome. And I was the shit. <laughs> I don't like, I got no problem admitting that. But was it one of these moments like, where you thought you were, you thought you were ready. And then when you stepped in the room, oh, came, God, you were yeah. just like, I'm awful. Oh, big time. Like, he's like, I was like, I'm so ready for this. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be so awesome. And then I watched it back and I was like, I know nothing. I know nothing about wrestling. Like, literally, like, everything was wrong. My bumping was wrong. My timing was wrong. Um, basically, I, I didn't even know really at that point how to put a match together. So it's just him kicking my ass for, like, ten minutes and then me having this big fire and then going to the finish. Um, and, I mean, to be fair, like, the match was designed to put him over because he was, he was Alex's guy. He was going to be Alex's guy. Yeah. Um, and it was designed to put him over. And it did. And so in that respect, I guess I did my job right uh, in that, I, I, you know, he did look really good out of that. But I, I just didn't know what I was doing back then. And it took, a, it took, a, and I was very fortunate because I had guys like Doug Williams around. And like, what, what I, did, I remember doing a tag match later on. Because from there, I kind of went and did Mark Sloan was running like trainee shows in Portsmouth. Yep. So it was mainly trainee shows for his guys, but he also put us on as well. Um, and so we would have shows there. And I did a tag match and again, and then just, just Doug just like... He didn't tear it to pieces, but he was really honest and just said, "This is a lo- here's a list of everything you did wrong. 
And when he said that, and when he said, like, he said, basically, you just got beaten up that whole match. And he said, why would anyone care about you if you just get beaten up the entire match? Like, no one will care. So through that, learning from people like him and learning from people around the time, that's when everything started to click in place. And I was like, right, okay, I kind of understand what they're saying now. Um, Because what Alex did really well was obviously, Alex was really good at teaching the sequences and things like that, but he hadn't really gone into depth about how to put matches together. Um, we kind of had to learn that for ourselves. Was so. you wrestling as Ross Jordan at this point? Yeah, yeah. Um, that <laughs> really crappy name, um, <laughs> which we just came up with. On, that was on the way to my first show. Um, like, I remember Alex gave us this piece of advice. He was like, because we were like, what do we do when we want to come up with like a ring name? Because I was like, Ross Jones sounds like a teacher, which quite rightly it does. So I was like, I can't go under my real name. That just, you know. Um, and Alex was, Alex's advice was like, try keep your first name. Because when people shout out to you at least they know you're talking to you yeah so and come up with a surname so i was like okay and like it was like coming up to the show we were literally driving to the show and i still hadn't come up with a name and i was like no can't think of anything no and then like we were just spitballing ideas like and one of my friends rob who's who was a trainee at the time he was flicking through the sun and he literally came across a picture of jordan (laughs) and he went what about ross jordan and i was like uh, it's okay. You're like, I do look a lot like him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's okay. It's not great, but I really can't think of anything better. And so I got there and uh, Alex was like, did you come up with a name then? And I was like, um, yeah, we're going to go with Ross Jordan. And he was like, I don't hate it. <laughs> She's always really encouraging, isn't it? I don't hate it. He's like, great, uh, yes. <laughs> and I was like, do you know what? I'll play it off. It's like Michael Jordan. Fuck it. That'll, that'll do. Yeah. If anyone asks, I'll just play it off like that. So I... Um, I just went, oh, do you know what? I'll go with that and I'll change it at some point. I'll come up with something cooler. Like, and I never did. <laughs> just, and it just stuck. Well, you did eventually. <laughs> well, I did but... eventually, yeah. But for that period, it just stuck. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to be Ross Jordan. That'll be it, you know. And so, yeah, I did. And then uh, that was, that's, and that's kind of how I, I just pretty much started on the British scene. So how, so then was you just wrestling FWA or was you, because the scene was very, very different back then. Yeah, I mean, FWA was kind of the, the hot thing, as yeah. it were, um, at the time. It was new, it was different, it was it was modelled after ECW, and Alex himself will tell you that. Um, FWA pretty much took their model of ECW, um, but they just started to pick up at that point, and they were just, you know, and this was a, this was a time where, like, they, they were the first two were, like, bringing over and showcasing imports, so people like AJ Styles, Christopher yep. Daniels, all those Smaller guys. Joe, yeah, yeah. Smaller Joe, All those guys coming over. Um, and they were the guys that they, they were bringing over at the time, and there was there was that, and there was All Star was and that was kind of it that I knew about anyway. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know much much else about the scene at the time, but one thing Alex did do with us, which I think was really good, which I know a lot of schools, other schools at the time didn't do, he was like go out and work, just just find as much work as you can. That's good. Um, whereas I know some training schools were like you work for us. Some places still like that now, mate. That, bog- that that blows my mind. I was like, you can't learn anything from working in one place. It's like it's like being a teacher. If I stayed in the same school for like my entire career I probably wouldn't learn anything exactly like, but I'm on my third school now and I've learned so much from each because each school is so different I've learned something different in each in each place so and I think wrestling wrestling is the same if you stay with that one promotion you work the same guys you don't grow you don't grow as a wrestler uh, or as a person so you you have to go out and you have to experience different things and you have you have to experience good and bad yeah. to realise what good and bad looks like of course you do that so and Alex was really good like that he was like go out and just find work and work for as many people as you can get as much experience as you can so when you come back and you work for my shows 
Well, interesting. You know, I feel like you. This is when you become best friends with people because when you're doing those five-hour drives up somewhere and you're in the car and then you give each other advice on the way back and you're nitpicking stuff like that, you become a core group. And I feel that that's when you really start your friendships really start to build. Yeah. But whereas if you're just in that training environment and it's the same thing every week, you don't grow from that. No, and, that's it. I mean, and that's really how the friendship between me and Sticks developed because. Um, we didn't really I would say even though like FWA was kind of our home promotion and London was obviously like Sticks lived in North London and I lived we both lived in North London at the time um, that's not really where we cut our teeth though that was more in the Midlands um, yeah. which was quite bizarre um, but we managed to get a connection with some guys who were running a promotion called UKWA and they would join with another promotion called RBW who were running out of Nottingham um, and we kind of got brought up there for, a, for another connection there was someone because we were doing Mark shows down in Portsmouth um, that someone connect, we met someone through there who connected us to the guys in the Midlands and we managed to get a gig there and that's you know and that is where we met like we, we did UK I remember it was called UKWA Schools Out <laughs> and uh, and it was really funny like and on that roster was El Laguero the original El Laguero in his grey attire which quite frankly looked like a gargoyle um, yeah. it's fucking amazing uh, if anyone ever finds a picture it's absolutely brilliant uh, there was Chris Travis skinny 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 Chris Travis uh, the skinniest kid I ever met in wrestling at the time um, JC Thunder although he, JC was wrestling he was, ready, he was wrestling as, in, under his Russian gimmick at the time Radikananko it was called I think, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think he still wrestles at Radikananko every, every now and again um, and so that's where we first met all those guys and like Spud as well like, we eventually that's how we met Spud and we became friends with him although I hate him um, I listen to you. I listen to your episode with him. I still hate him. I'm Lies. so jealous. By the way, he got to go to a curry house. I'm jealous. It's infringing. Uh, it's he, infringing he, bought, he, he paid for everything. As well. Did he? Great. Did he? Great. Yeah. Oh, I love him. Love you. Love you, <laughs> Um That's how we. So that's how we met those guys, and that's how we formed those friendships. So you know, to say like me and Sticks kind of grew up in wrestling with people like Spud and Nagiro and Chris Travis was uh, is a real honour actually to kind of say that now, um, looking back. Um, we call it like we're unofficially dubbed ourselves the Sherwood Boys because we wrestled in a pub called the yeah, Sherwood. I, 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 so, I, know, I know this, yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and so like uh, the group of us there, we wrestled loads of like shows in that pub and stuff, and it was great fun at the time. And like I would like, and it's always it's quite embarrassing. Like Chris Travis, he, I remember him telling me he's like, "Oh, you were my hero. You were my first hero." I was like, "Why?" He goes, "Because you had tights. <laughs> you had actual wrestling. Because they all had like like street clothes. They were all wrestling in street clothes when we first met them. Oh. And me, me and Sticks had like invested in. There was a, there was a gear maker called Edward Tyra, um, who used to make. I think I don't know if they still make wrestling gear, um, but they made like very basic tights and singlets and trunks and stuff like that. And well, Alex was big on that sort of stuff, brandy and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it? he was like, he was very big on us getting wrestling gear. Well, I remember well, him so. telling me a story that where uh, Adrian Neville, which was Pac at the time, I remember him telling me the story of like, he told Pac, you need to have your name on your gear. Mm. And he was like, why? He was like, because when you wrestle in these some places, maybe somebody's got the toilet or maybe the PA system isn't great. If they don't know your name, how are you supposed to say? It's very different now, but yeah. he him telling me, I'm going, oh, that's 100%. It's right. a really so great, every, every great idea. Air, so every gear it's I get now, idea. I make sure my name is on it. So, um, yeah, and like, because, and they, like, they all wore like street clothes or club. I mean, like, Spud, when I first met him, he had like trousers and a top he got from like a nightclub shop, like rave wear or something like that. So it was like, it is hideous. But, um, uh, and everyone was decked out like that at the time. But, but again, I think, I think that was a bit of influence from like, as I said, from ECW, because ECW was so big at the time. And it yeah. was like lots of wrestlers were dressing in street clothes at the time. So I think it was kind of a big thing. So, but me and Sticks decked ourselves out in like proper tights and, and boots and stuff like that. So Chris was always like, oh, you're my first hero because you had you re- a gear and you did moves. <laughs> that was the other thing. And like, you could moonsault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
so it was uh, it was funny, but yeah, and that and that was that was a really great bunch of guys to like to like come up with, especially considering all the success those guys have had. Like to say I started wrestling alongside them is a real yeah. honour, um, really is. Um, and I, I look at the success they've had now and just it's so much pride. Like I don't think like I don't think I've ever been proud of anyone. Like when Spud got signed to TNA and he went to, he moved to America and stuff like that, I was so proud of him. And like you know. Um, I couldn't think of anyone more deserving. You can hear it in your voice. You see it as well. Yeah, I mean, just like you know, because again, I, I, he, when we first met him, he worked for. I think he said this in his book, but he was working for promotions who didn't believe in him, and they were like, "You're too small. You'll never make it," and all that. And you know, he made it so successful, and he's made such a success at wrestling. Um, and there's one. He's one of the people. I don't think he's one of the people I always turn to for advice. And like, what do you think of this? And what do you think of this? How this should be done? And he's so knowledgeable because he cares so much and he studies wrestling. No, so he much. does. He, he does. He pulls it apart um, and breaks it down. And like, I know he, he's spoken to you about his match with EC3, but I was I was fortunate enough. He, I I went to a pro Joe um, seminar that he was teaching, but I just turned up because I wanted to see him while yeah, he was yeah. in the country. And I sat and listened to him while he was explaining to his that his match with EC3 and how it was put together and why they did certain things and. It's just phenomenal. The guy is so knowledgeable as well, and um, and Liggs as well. Like seeing Liggs like become like the hardest working wrestler in Britain, who just you know two three hundred shows a day, or whatever, whatever ridiculous amount he does. I don't know. I, I lose count. But um, to see how busy he works and how much love he still has for wrestling after all these years, of just is just phenomenal as well. So um, and Chris as well. Like I think you know Chris. Chris would have been a mega star, you know, if he was still he with was us today. Anyway. Yeah, he, he was, was a mega he was star. On his anyway. way. Right. He was on his way, wasn't he? And, and he would have, you know, if if he was around in the climate we're in now, with the opportunities that are around now, Chris, Chris would have been would have been amazing. Um, and so, you know, it's always sad to think of that, but I think um, I think what's uh, what's great is though, like I said, the, the opportunities that have come through now are just are just phenomenal. Well, I think he he kind of started paving the way. He was having these big indie matches with the likes of. Like Bala and with yeah, Kevin, Kevin Steen, yeah, exactly. Like so he's yeah. like it's he was the people he was shining a spotlight on the on the British scene. So when did RJ? When did you become RJ Singh? Because the moment we still at Ross Jordan. Yeah, um, so I went to RJ Singh. I think it was um, I go I go through periods of like falling a little bit out of love with wrestling. Not like I want to like disappear completely and we'll come on to that <laughs> but um, I did I did go through periods of like I'm not really sure I'm, uh, just because I'm, maybe I'm a bit bored or I don't know what I'm doing anymore and um, so I rang Alex I rang Alex up and I said oh, I'm a bit bored now I've been doing like this Ross Jordan gimmick for a while and it's, I think this is around 2007 uh, I want to do something different and Alex said to me he goes oh, do you remember when you first started to wrestle and this is true when, when I first got into wrestling with him he pitched an idea to me for a Bollywood character which I thought was bollocks when he told me. <laughs> I genuinely thought I was like, "This sounds stupid and probably racist," and like, I just don't like the idea. I'm still waiting for uh, somebody with Indian ancestry or something like that to come through the Dragon Pro Academy. I'm going to be <laughs> you'll be all over all the board, all over like, Bollywood. This is going to be your gimmick. So, but Alex pitched that to me, and he was like, "I envisioned this like big Bollywood entrance, and you know, you come Sick. down like that." And I, but I couldn't, I couldn't be sold on it at the time. I was like, "No, I want to be like a wrestler and like do wrestling moves." And so I was like, you know, like "Yet Hogan like a, and Warrior were the people who right, got you into right, exactly, it." Exactly, like you right, fool, like a right dickhead. So I was like, "Okay." So come 2007, though, I kind of changed my attitude a bit. I was like, "Okay." So I said, I spoke to him, and he said, "Do you remember when I told you about this Bollywood gimmick?" He went, "Have you given that any thought?" And I was like. Okay, maybe all right. Maybe I could make that work. That might be something, you know. Um, so I, I said I'll, I'll go think on it. Um, 
And it just so happened around that time, me and my uh, me and my wife, it was like our first Valentine's together, and we bought tickets to go see a West End musical called Bombay Dreams. Okay. Which was like, it's like a Bollywood-style musical, and it was... Um, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And as I was sitting there, I was like, Bombay Dream. I was like, I could be the Bombay Dream. I could, right, okay, right, cool. So, and then, like, I started watching... Um, I started watching a comedian called Russell Peters, who's a Canadian uh, comedian. For, he's family's from India and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, so I suddenly had a lot of sort of Indian influence and I was like, okay, I think I can make this work. This would be really cool. But what I did, <coughs> which was a slight flaw, which I obviously corrected, is at the time I continued to use the Ross Jordan name. So it was kind of like the Bombay Dream Ross Jordan. And I rolled with that for a bit. And then the more I started to do it, the more I was like, this isn't quite working. Yeah. And then, of course... Um, uh, the British handed Bombay back over so the, and they renamed it they returned it back to Mumbai so I was like well I can't use the Bombay dream anymore because Bombay doesn't exist anymore it's Mumbai now um, and I was speaking to Greg Lambert who was running XWA at the time and he said well why don't you change it to the Bollywood dream instead instead of being the Bombay dream because Bollywood even though it's not a place which shocks some people it's not an actual place um, it's not not an actual place it's like, it's like it's just, you know it's, it's, it's like Hollywood Hollywood is not a place Hollywood is a place Hollywood is a place like when you say you're from Bollywood you're not actually like Bollywood's not like a town is it but like, isn't Bollywood a bit like Motown yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of like you know this, it's, it's like a concept isn't it yeah. rather than a place so um, but he said, like, why don't you say that instead? Okay. I was like, cool. And he said, you might want to think about the name, though. He said, because it's still very Anglo, isn't it? Right, Jordan. I was like, okay. So I went away and thought, and I was like, kind of, what's the easiest Indian name to use? Singh. Okay, that's pretty, that's a pretty easy one. And I was like, I couldn't really think of a first name. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll stick with RJ, because obviously those are my initials. And that's what I was And so I went with RJ Singh. And, um, and then I was just like, yeah, actually, that kind of works. And I spoke to a couple of people and I was like what do you think about RJ Singh instead of like Rosh Jordan you know I'll be the Bollywood dream RJ Singh and everyone's like that makes so much more sense that fits what you're trying to do so much better and you're walking over the biggest smile on your face exactly yeah exactly so I was like okay so cool So, and I think it was actually on an LDN show um, when I was working for Sanjay Bagger and his uncle uh, he got his uncle on shows to be my manager because he could speak um, Punjabi Brilliant. so it's amazing so it's like so he came out as my manager and he got and he did a promo and basically said, we're throwing down the name Ross Jordan, and from this point on, I will be known as RJ Singh. And so that's kind of how I then, I then rolled with it, uh, rolled with it that name. So yeah, and from that point on, I was the Bollywood Dream RJ Singh. So. And you just start, that's when the ball, I'm guessing, started rolling with FWA. And... Yeah, I mean, at that time, FWA had, I think around that time, actually, FWA, original FWA had died at that point, um, had come to an end. And I places like IPW, 1PW, XWA. The wrestling channel was around at this point? Yeah, this year. yeah. So all those promotions had started to come up. In the kind of the death of the FWA, all of those had come, uh, had come along as well. So, um, and then I think it was actually IPW, which was when it was IPW was joined together with Andy Corden and yep. Dan Edler running it together. Um, Andy actually pitched the idea of doing a Bollywood like with some, with some entourage. It was actually Andy, it was kind of Andy's idea. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so I just started to do that and then FWA came along and I was like oh I've seen you're doing an entourage thing um, and so that's how I met Daryl uh, I met Daryl and uh, like I was tagging with Nick uh, Nick Barley I'd met Nick at the time yep. um, and so and then another guy Adam and Tabs Tabrez who's been my like manager slash director character yep, for yep. many years that's how we all kind of got together and Alex and so Alex was relaunching the FWA around 2009 um, and he said, oh, I'd really like to bring in the Bollywood character, but with the entourage and everything, so we've got like a real defined character. So, and that's kind of when I started doing it full on then. Yeah. Um, was doing the Bollywood character there, and um, 
it was really funny because on one of the first shows we had two guys who um, who were there to do some like insurance for us some wrestlers insurance and they just both happened to be Sikh and Alex was like do you guys want to come out and do an entrance as well? So they say, like, yeah. Yeah, they did. They were like, yeah. brilliant. They said, you just got to come out on stage, stand there. RJ will come out and shake hands with you and then he'll head to the ring and stuff like that. So it was brilliant. It was like... Alex being Alex. Absolutely. Saw an opportunity and was like, grabbed it. So, but- just want to take a minute from our conversation this week to talk about our sponsors, Unprofessional Wrestling. London's newest promotion, Unprofessional Wrestling, will make their debut at the Hackney Showroom on Sunday the 20th, August 2017. The Man Who Would Be King will feature some of the finest UK talent including Roy Johnson from the WWE UK Championship Tournament, El Aguero from ITV's World of Sport and yours truly Flash Morgan Webster with much, much more to be announced. Unprofessional Wrestling will mix the colourful retro vibe of WCW with the kick-ass underground British wrestling scene. For more details go to www.unprofessionalwrestling.co.uk or visit the Facebook page facebook.com forward slash unprofessionalwrestling. Because trust me, guys, unprofessional wrestling are going to tear it apart. I remember the fir- funniest thing about the first FWA show. Alex was like, oh, can you do the first WWA show? We're having it on, like, August the 5th. Um, I'm going to put you in a cruiserweight four-way match. I was like, um, can I not do that match because I'm getting married in four, day- <laughs> four days after? Because my wedding was, like, uh, October the 8th, 2009. Yeah. And I was like, I just know that will be the show I get a black eye. Oh on. God! And yeah, I, was like, I cannot. My wife will just. She won't even marry me if I turn up with a black eye. So it was like, oh, don't. We'll do a promo instead, and um, and that set up the feud I had with El Nigero in FWA because uh, Liggs had uh, he had legit um, uh, dislocated his shoulder. Oh, I've had quite this badly. Right we've we've spoken in depth about and this. And he had just had surgery on it, and Alex wanted to bring him in. So we were building a story of me and a feud with me and El Nigero, and we previously feuded in XWA. Um, and Alex wanted to bring that to FWA with Liggs coming back from his shoulder injury and we were kind of doing a gimmick where I'd come along and like sort of basically tell it say he was nothing more than just a mask that's all he is there's nothing good about him except his mask so and that's kind of how we kicked off that feud so he came out and he was going to speak for the very first time ever and then I interrupted and uh, uh, and we kind of took it from there and that's yeah and that, mm. that's where FWA work came in and so yeah so how did you start getting... Because a lot of people who probably listen to this, a lot of their knowledge of you will probably be from Progress. So how did Progress come about? Um, and- it's a very bittersweet tale. Um, it's particularly bittersweet because we're on our fifth anniversary today. Uh, yeah. For anyone listening to this, we're, we're backstage at the fifth anniversary pro, uh, show. Um, progress came about... I got an, an email just dropped in my box um, in 2000... Okay, 2012 was the first show, wasn't it? Tail end of 2011. Okay. I got an email in my inbox from someone called John Briley. Didn't know who he was. Still don't know uh, who he still is. Still don't know who he is. Um, John Briley saying, Hi, we're a new promotion in London. Uh, we're looking to start. Uh, da, da, da. Um, and I think it was actually Ola Giro. I think Ola Giro had recommended me. I think they. they uh, you know, of course, Liggs already on the show, Liggs on every show. So but, yeah. and he, he'd recommended. He said, Oh, uh, RJ lives like just outside of London. So if you want a person for the show, that'd be great. So, um, so John emailed me and he was like, we're progressed blah, blah, blah. and to bless them at the time I, they obviously didn't know what they wanted to be when they first started yep. I, I think literally their first show was like we just want to run a wrestling show and we're going to see what happens from yeah, there of course. he didn't pitch it to me very well because he said to me um, we're kind of going for like an ROH Dragon Gate style show and I was like okay bear in mind I'm the guy who like was brought up on like the Ultimate Warrior and yeah, Hulk Hogan yeah, and, yeah. and I'm very much an entertainer like I know what I am in wrestling I'm very honest with myself okay I will never be a like Finn Balor kind of wrestler I'll never be a Chris Benoit kind of wrestler okay I'm, real, I'm very much an entertainer 
kind okay. of wrestler. I there to entertain people. A lot of people don't. Um, a lot of people don't. A lot of people try to be everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know. And I'm. You know. I know what I am. And so I'm. And I, so I literally fired back an email with, "Are you sure you want me?" So I was literally talking myself out of getting booked by Progress. Like literally, I nearly got myself. I must have got myself. Nearly, I, I, so he just went, "No, no, we've seen your stuff. Like we've been to FWA and we've seen, and we really think you'd be great." And and I literally fired back with, "Okay, um, it's not you know that kind of." Strong style, whatever you want to call it. Strong style, wrong style. It always makes me laugh when uh, I hear that. That's Manson. That's <laughs> not me. That's I've never heard that. Manson. I'm getting to him on. Manson. Strong style, wrong style. He does. Me, me and Matt Manson, I've got a quick, quick side story here about the difference between us. Like, me and Manson have been friends ever since we wrestled back in, like, RQW. And um, we, we've done seminars together where, like, like, we did one recently for House of Pain. Um, and I brought like sugar paper and pens and I got them to like write stuff down and, Pro- like, you, you and I had like a lesson plan you did teach my, yeah, like a real like proper teacher he turned up with some notes scribbled on the back of like oh, a flyer oh, oh they're brilliant <laughs> so he's he, like wrestling is not important exactly yeah, I've seen and, and the headings for his stuff are just phenomenal and I just remember he had on a piece of paper once strong style wrong style and I love that I just thought that was a hilarious he phrase. says wrestling is the least important thing you do in the room absolutely phenomenal absolutely phenomenal um, so um, so yeah, so, so though John's trying to pitch progress to me, and I'm just sounding like I don't know who you people are. I don't know what this is. Um, so I kind of went, oh yeah, sure, why not? You know, it's in London, and actually no, tell a lie. I mi- I emailed like day. Who did I email? Not Dave Master because he wasn't on that show yet. It must have been Liggs and Nathan, and I must have messaged them and gone, are you guys doing this show called Progress? What, what do you think? And they were like, we're going to do it. And I was like, okay, oh Marty's doing it. I, lo- I looked at the roster. I was like, oh, okay, Zach Sabre's doing it. Marty's doing it. This looks like the, yeah, pretty good decent guys, guys are doing yeah. this show. No AMs on it. I'll do it for you know why not? I'll do this. So I was like, yeah, okay, sure, I'll, I'll do this. That'd be cool. Um, and then bit by bit, the card started getting announced, and I was like, okay, my match hasn't been announced yet. My match hasn't been announced yet. And then it's like, boom, RJ Singh versus Colt Cabana, and I was like, holy crap! Like they've given me the import match, like. No one ever gives me the import match. I never get the match against the import. This is amazing. Uh, in like, your head as well, you must have gone. I can do this match. Yeah. This is why they've booked and me. Like, I, and they've got me with Colt Cabana. And I was like, God, I can do I can do some really funny stuff with this guy. And like, I could come up with some really cool stuff. Like, are you like, they know what they are doing. Exactly. This is I was like, so this is going to be really cool. And I'm going to like wrestle Colt Cabana. And, you know, and, and I had actually, weirdly enough, though, I had wrestled Colt Cabana before on like a really random sharp in Scunthorpe with like 10 people attending. Um... Marvellous. Um, so I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. And I had like a spot in my head. I was like, because he was doing like the elbow. You know, he, he's got like the elbow pad with the, the target yeah, on yeah. And he was doing like the bionic elbows. And I had a great spot where like, because I used to wear an elbow pad with like the Indian flag on it. So I had this great idea of like, I'd go for an elbow, he'd block it, kick me in the stomach, pull my elbow pad off, put it on him, and then hit me in the head oh, with, with my own elbow. I thought that would be really cool. So I had these great ideas. Um, and, uh, and so I was really looking forward to it. It was going absolutely great. Um, and... Three, no, more than that. Six weeks prior to that, um, my wife found out she was pregnant, um, which was amazing news because we'd been trying for the best part of a year. Her nephew had been born in 2011. Her nephew was born just a couple of days before the royal wedding. Um, And it was at that point, we'd been married, we got married in 2009, so uh, her nephew was born in 2011. And when her nephew was born, she was like, I think it's time we start, we should start trying for children. Because okay. I'm 36, no, I'm not 36, I'm nearly 36 now. My wife's uh, a little bit older than me as well. And we were like, it's the right time for us to try for children. Um, and we had found out um, 
just before, like, yeah, I think it was about... No, sorry, I'm lying. We'd found out two weeks before the program oh, show, but she was about six, seven weeks pregnant by this point, which was amazing, because we, like I say, we had, we'd been actively trying, and we hadn't been successful by this point, so to find out she was pregnant was just absolutely amazing. Um, unfortunately, um, during the week, I think it was the week running up to progress, um, she rang me, I was at work, I was at school, worked at, work at different schools, uh, she rang me and she said, um, can you come home? I've just started bleeding, which is probably about the worst thing you can hear yeah. when, you, when someone's pregnant. Um, so we went back and um, so we weren't sure what to do. We spoke to the hospital and they said, go to the early pregnancy unit in Harlow, near where we live. There's an early pregnancy unit where they're, they're equipped to deal with stuff like that. So we went um, and I think this was on the Friday. So the show's coming up on the Sunday. This happened on the Friday. Uh, they took her in, they did all sorts of scans they looked through they did like an ultrasound and stuff like that um, and it was at that point they turned around and said to us I'm really sorry to tell you this um, you are your pregnancy's gone ectopic um, now if anyone doesn't know what an ectopic pregnancy is it's basically where the egg fertilises but it um, in, it's in, not but in, in the, the tubes tube. rather than the womb so it had got stuck in one of her in her uh, one of her tubes um, and it was growing there and basically that's life threat. that's actually life threatening yeah um so they said, I'm really sorry, um, and it's, it's so, the, 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 you know, it's grown so big, we're going to have to just remove the tube, and we obviously we can't save it, there's you know, nothing we can do there. So this happened on the Friday, so my wife is literally, in, we're in hospital, and she's gone straight to surgery, uh, basically. So, I just, I'm devastated, but she's devastated, I'm devastated by this point, um, and I rang, I rang up John, because I had John's number, and I'd met him previously at an FPW show. And I just rang him in absolute tears. I don't know what you must have thought God. of me. I rang him in absolute tears and said, I'm really sorry, John. Um, I was, you know, I was really looking forward to this, uh, your, your show on Sunday, but I just don't think there's any way I could do it. My wife's just gone in for emergency surgery. Um, this is how she was pregnant. Now she's not, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I just said, I just don't think I'm, I'm not going to be at the show. There's just no way. I can't do it, et cetera. And he was brilliant. He was like, don't worry about it. And I was like, I'll try ring around. I'll see if I can find someone to do it. And I think the first person I rang was Spud, actually. I was like, Jay, can you do this show? And he's like, oh, no, I'm not available. And John was like, don't worry about it. I'll find someone, you know, uh, and so on, so on. So so I actually missed the first Progress show. I wasn't on Chapter 1 for that reason. Um, um, which, like I said, it's bittersweet being here now because actually that was almost um, it. Did, it came up on my Facebook time, and that was obviously five years ago now. Yeah, of course. Um, so it's kind of my my love of progress is also tied in with this slightly tragic event in my life as well. Um, so you know, and uh, it was really you know, and I obviously. But, I but of course, your, your wife came through surgery. She was fine. Yeah, she was that, absolutely. So, you know, so she was is... fine. I mean, they did. Re- you know, they removed her tube, so she's only got she's only got one tube. Um, but she was fine, which was the main thing. Um, but it was really sweet of them though because like Progress they put like my name on the t-shirt so, and I've got a, I've got one of the original t-shirts and it had like the eight wrestlers had their names down the back because it was like a one night tournament yeah um, and my name was on there still which was really cool um, they didn't replace me uh, with the best wrestler in the world um, bless him if I do believe my memory correct is it Mike it's Mike Mason yeah I like Mike I, I do believe him. he was clever enough though to get them to agree to two or three bookings he did what a, cl- man. what a clever man guy. what a clever man um, but yeah so unfortunately you know I didn't get that match with Colt Cabana I didn't get the first show um, but John was like don't worry we still you know we still want you in progress we still want you to, to be part of progress as well that. so don't you know don't worry about it just take care of your wife and things like that yeah. so um, 
And that was, I mean, that was just a hard time because obviously I lost, I lost the Progress show. Um, we were trying to move house at the time as well. So, and the house move hadn't gone through. There was a problem between the mortgage company oh and the builders. They were arguing. So, like, the mortgage company didn't want to pay how much the builders were asking for. And the builders were like, but we've already sold houses. This, you know, And we were literally in our current house packed in boxes and we didn't move for two months. So we were supposed to move the week after my wife came out of hospital. We were supposed to move. We didn't move till the May. So you can imagine that. So, oh I've, God, got, that so I've got like, I've got like my wife recovering at home. She was off work for two months recovering um, like from the, from the trauma and physically as well. It took a lot out of her. So she was recovering from that. We were packed up in boxes and it was just shite. <laughs> like, it was just such a shite time. Um, so, you know, to kind of know that Progress was still wanting me to come on board That's down good. the line. was Especially really when nice you, you were the first buzz of the show. Absolutely. Show and then yours. obviously I found out how great the first show went. And there's like on the DVD extras, I get a little shout out from Jim. Jim was like, we, you know, we just want to do a little shout out to RJ Singh. Oh, we really nice. wanted to be here today, but he's had a family emergency. And, and you know, but what was really nice was obviously when that happened... I got messages from Spud and Legiro and they were like, what's happened? Why, you know, we heard there's been a, something's up. What's up? And I got loads of calls from the wrestling community to say like, is everything okay? What's happened? And stuff like that. So, um, I felt very supported, you know, through wrestling and things like that. So that was, that was great. So, um, and then further on, obviously then I came in at chapter two is when I made my, my progress debut. I did a triple threat with Greg Burridge and El Legiro. Yep. And that's, that's how I got into progress. And that was kind of the, kind of the start of it really for me. So when did they bring you and Dowling? Because I think that's when I when I think of you in progress, I I do think of you and Daryl. Yeah, I mean, me and Daryl. Um, they obviously uh, Daryl. Funnily enough, like Daryl, I think was one of the first people to contact Progress about wrestling because I just said to Daryl, um, we were tagging in FPW and we just started tagging yeah. a couple other places. Um, and I said to Daryl, oh, I've just got this booking from like this place called Progress. Like, here's their email. Give them a shout. And he did. He just flat up emailed them and said, like, are you looking for guys? And so he got put on in a triple threat, I think. They were, uh, it was the uh, BWC Scarlet Championship match, wasn't it? It was him, was it Xander and Zach Gibson, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Zach yes. Gibson. Diamond Zach Gibson in his yellow shorts and his long hair. Yes. I love, I love old school Zach Gibson. Um, so they did the triple threat and Daryl was there. Um, and then obviously they had like the run of... Um, they had the run of Daryl like losing his matches and things like that, and he was always featured. And he was like features like the new young guy on the roster, um, and I was doing like the Bollywood gimmick again. I had my entourage again, and you know we were doing that. And I was doing open challenges, and so I'd done an open challenge with Rob Cage. I'd done one with Paul Robinson, and John had seen me and Daryl on another. Show. It was probably FPW. And he was like, oh, I really want to pull the trigger and do the Bangor Nights. Like, I think it'd be really cool if we, we pull the trigger. And I was like, okay, cool. So then he said, right, chapter five, we're going to do the open challenge and it's going to be Daryl. Uh, and the real thing that really, I'm really gutted about, obviously, before um, Progress didn't used to put their entrances on their DVDs, they just used to start the match with the two yes. guys in the ring. And I'm really gutted because the pop Daryl got when I did the open challenge and Daryl's music hit and Daryl came out it was such a good pop such a good crowd reaction because because a lot of the Progress fans knew we were a tag team yeah, outside yeah. of um, outside of Progress they knew we were tagging together so they were like oh this is you know this is cool it's the Bangor Knights and we got some Bangor Knights chance during that match end of the match obviously Daryl goes over we shake hands we hug we come together and then they're like right that's it we're going to do Bangor Knights and our um, and then the following show it was like the following show the show after we had our first tag match um, against they were team defend 
They weren't FSU. That match, that match is great, by the they way. They were team defenders. That match is great. Yeah, so it was Eddie's first match. That really opened my eyes to how good Daryl was that He's match. amazing. Daryl is so good. It's the like, little thing he does it. where he, he jumps over the ropes and hooks the uh, the leg with the arm and he goes into the rolling crucifix pit. I watched the center and go, how the shit did you do that? I love it, though, because we literally like, built the match of like, okay, Mark and Daryl, you start off because you're the young, you're the young athletic guys. And then me and Eddie will get... Then the teachers will we're, we're the old guys and we'll get to do our thing, so... Um, but that's it, yeah, no. That, but that, that's what... I mean, I'm so pleased to have Daryl as a tag partner. Like, um, um, that's the best advice I got off Re- Yeston Reese when Yeston Reese was tag- tagging with Charlie Garrett. Uh, he was like, get a tag partner who's younger and fitter and more athletic and you won't have to do as much work, so... Brilliant. Uh, so... Yeah, and that was our, our first tag match in progress. It was obviously uh, against Team Defend, and it was it was, it was a great match. We really loved that. We had like the merch off as well and stuff like that. So that was. Uh, I do remember the merch. That off. was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, that was my first time I ever came. That was the first time I ever came down. I came down just to watch the show, and I remember you doing the merch off because they did that QVC one, didn't they? Where they were like, that's oh, it. Yeah, yeah we, we did that. that as well, and then we were like trading our, our t-shirts at the end of the at the end of the show. So um, yeah, and then obviously we brought up, built up like our feud with the London Riots, who have been obviously being on a really good run as the heel tag team here yeah. in, in progress as well. Um, and that culminated obviously at Chapter Twelve, which was the first time here at the um, here at the ballroom where we did the, where we did the street fight, of which I still have a scar on my back from where JD hit me, hit me with a kendo stick so hard I've still got a scar on my back. So. But it's great because my wife still gives JD shit every time she sees him. She's like, "Do you remember you going? Remember you scarred my husband? Do you remember you scarred my husband? He's got a scar on his back still. <laughs> great. I love it. I love it. So, so when when did the decision then for you to step away, and why why did you decide to step away from um, this? It was it, the, the, re, the when I wanted. To, I, I kind of knew I wanted to step away for a bit. Um, and again, it's really funny because like I honestly and I swear this, and I will go back and I love that. You know the on this day feature on Facebook. I love that. That's my crux. Because I can go back and I can show you in 2013, I said I wanted to take a break. I didn't call it a retirement because everyone knows retirement's bullshit in wrestling. They are bullshit. They are bullshit in wrestling. Like, no one ever really retires. Um, and what, what, what Terry? F- no, never mind. No. no. <laughs> oh, no, Rick Flair. No. No, 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 no. Okay, Rick Foley. No, 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 Ricky no, Steamboat. No. There we go. See? Anyway. So, wrestling retirements aren't worth the paper they're written on. Um, but I, I said back there, I want to take a break, and I knew I wanted to take a break, and I knew I wanted to do it, have a, like a match in progress. And I spoke to John about it back in 2013. We were driving back from an FPW show, and I said to him, "I think I want to take a break at the end of next year." And I think, you know, as I said, I said I think I might be done, but I'm not sure. Um, I had just been, I just got my job as a deputy head um, after years, and of, you and of, you could see how much work was coming. Oh, so well. much to do, like you know. Um, on top of that, my wife and I had been through a second miscarriage by this point. Um, and you know, and we—I really wanted to focus, you know, family life. I really wanted to do something about, you know, focusing on us starting a family. Um, which I have to say, sadly, to this day, we're still—we're still trying. We're still um, struggling with it. Um, and so I was like, something's got to give. There's so much going on in our life. Something's got to give. And I just thought it'll have to be wrestling. Wrestling will have to be the have to be the thing that, that will give. And uh, I remember John saying to me, "So who's who would it be if you're going to have a last match?" Who's it going to be against? And like, literally three names just straight in my head. I said it's an easy pick of three names. Let me see if I can get these right. Spud. Spud. Sticks, of course. Sticks. The Gear. The Gear. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Those are the three names. I said if I have any match 
If I'm going to have a last match, it's, it's going to be one of those three guys. It's got to be. Um, I think Jay had been signed by that point. Jay was in America. Um, Liggs was obviously really, really busy as well. Um, and so we we kind of said the idea of why it sticks would be a good one to do it with. You know, we trained together. We came up together. We best man at each other's weddings, you know, um, which was good because that came as kind of fuel for the storyline. And what was interesting is we had to pack. Because we didn't really kick it off until the show before, Chapter 15, we had to pack that really tightly that storyline so obviously I did a, a match against um, Mikey Whiplash who was, who was Michael what was his he, Gilbert Gilbert he was doing Michael Gilbert wasn't he, he was doing I was at the show this was my first my first ballroom show right I missed the first <coughs> and, the, uh, and he was doing his no gimmicks gimmick yeah no gimmicks. <laughs> so, so we thought it'd be really funny we're like why don't we do uh, someone who's going to throw loads of gimmicks at him so I was so John was like right you're going to do a match against Michael Gilbert he's going to be like no gimmicks no fucking about and you're going to do three short matches against him each time coming out as a different character so on the first one, I came out as Sting. So yeah. I did the full. You were Sting, Sting like yeah, I did. I, I, I did Sting, yeah, Sting. And uh, it was Sticks' wife did my makeup on that day. She was there. She did my makeup for me, and I came out with a baseball bat. And I, I think the reason I chose that is because uh, I'd been given a Sting T-shirt on from Russell Talk TV. I was on Russell Talk TV, and they'd given me a Sting, a red Sting T-shirt. I was like, I'll wear that. I'll get some gloves. I'll get a baseball bat. I'll paint the face. So we, we did that, and uh, and then. Gilbert t- taps me out and I go backstage and then I had a Sin Cara mask and some armbands so <laughs> we did that she as well. was Sin Cara came out of Sin Cara and did that uh, did that gimmick as well and then um, uh, and then the final one was um, classic RJ so like RJ from when I first came into progress so Tabraze came with me yep. he came out with me as well and we did classic RJ so I wore my, my robe that I first wore then and we did that and he beat me again uh, and then the storyline pertained that Sticks came out and said, like, you know, what are you doing? You, you, you're making a mockery of wrestling. Um, and it kind of led to us then spitting some venom at each other. And, like, we said some pretty, like, <laughs> hurtful things about each other um, as far as wrestling goes and things like and family life and stuff like so that. So the best thing is, like, I remember it. I remember you, you remember you seeing it. And it's such a simple trigger, isn't it? Like, you said something and then you went... Da-da-da. Paul yeah. and the police went nuts yeah. and That's I was it, just like I was there going ah oh, mate I was like do you know how I was like I remember thinking as smart as those fans are <laughs> yeah. you're being worked to high That's heavens it. right That's now it. guys well we, we real named each other like he called me Ross and I was like okay Paul if you, I remember so I think my line was oh Paul if we're real naming each other like you know and I called him that and I talked about you know we talked about stuff we talked about his divorce um, from his first marriage and his daughter I mentioned his daughter and I think that's what led to the slap and so, like we, and, that, and that's really that's like three three shows worth of storyline just into ten minutes. I can now. remember being message going, "This is hot." Yeah, this is and sick. the crowd reaction, the crowd reaction, were like, "Oh shit!" Like he just talked about his divorce, and like he's, you know, they're saying stuff that is like really on the nose here. Yeah. And like we were, we talked it through with Glenn backstage, and Glenn was like, "This is this is going to be great." <laughs> Glenn was like, "Yeah, he loved it." Glenn loved it. He was like, "This is what wrestling should be." Like you talking about each other's divorces. <laughs> so we um. You know, we kind of really got into that kind of thing, and then that led about the you know the career versus it became career versus career and yep. stuff like that. And you know, we did the online stuff, and then we came to show day. And I I, I remember ringing John. I was like, John, I've got this idea for a Bollywood entrance. Which if we're ever going to do it, this should be the show that we do it on. And like, and there was that original dream that Alex had pitched to me of this big yeah. Bollywood entrance. So we got to chapter sixteen, and John had spoken to a, a he'd got hold of a dance tutor who taught Bollywood dance, and she got four of her students. And I literally managed to just round up any 
trainee from the Projo who was dark skinned. <laughs> it's like you're going to be part of my entrance. Like you, you, you're tanned. Yeah, you're tanned. You're tanned. You're, tanned. you're not Indian, but it doesn't matter. Just come in. So and I, I love the like, in my head. It's like it's not even people with with uh, colored skin. It's people who are just tanned. Absolutely. We were like, it, fine. Wrestling fans won't know. We'll put Push you. Storm, you're quite. You're quite tanned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll put you in costume. No one will know the difference. It'll be fine. So I managed to get hold of a couple of them, and there was a couple of fans who came who I was friends with as well and I was like do you guys want to come do this as well like they were Asian as well so I just rounded up everyone Asian I could and we just did this massive entrance it was huge it's so good it's on YouTube as well it's so great. If, no, if you haven't seen it anyone listening go watch it on YouTube absolutely immense um, and it was a great great entrance and it was just it was one of those I will never recapture this moment kind of moments it was just such a good entrance um, like we practiced it and Marty Skull ran up to me and he was just shook my hand. He was like, that is the most amazing... And that was just a practice. He was like, that's the most amazing entrance I've ever seen. Um, and that's coming from Marty, who's done some awesome entrances. Of course, he's like, now spent his entire career trying to do that entrance. Absolutely. He's done like the most amazing entrances since then. Um, and so we did this massive entrance and it was just so good. It was almost, like literally just shaking in my boots. Like, it's this... That's so good. Um, and then we had the match and obviously Sticks won. And then, you know, I got on the mic and cried. As you do, genuine cry, genuine cry, um, because I was so overwhelmed with like the reception we got. And you didn't know if you were coming back. And I didn't. I genuinely at that point didn't know if I was coming back. Um, I didn't know where life was going to take me, and, and I, I obviously envisioned my life different at that point where I am now. Um, but it was it was an amazing experience, and you know I, I can never thank you know John, Jim, and Glenn enough for that for giving me that moment because that's like that's my. WrestleMania to my WrestleMania yeah, course, man. Oh, That's my progress moment and always. Will well, some be people never get so. to that level. Exactly, though, so. and to have that, to have that moment, and to have you know, and what people came and said to me afterwards, both online and personally, about you know how much and like I think the one, again the one that touched me, I, I, I had some really kind words from from Spud, who was like, you know, after everything you've contributed towards British wrestling, um, it was a really nice swan song, and obviously Manson retired on the same weekend of that as well. He he you know he retired as well, so it was it was not it was a really nice nice way to kind of to go out at that point and of course progress is getting bigger and bigger and more people come in now so it's still getting seen by more and more people absolutely yeah and it's, it's I'm glad it's always been linked there so um, but I think on that night I did believe I was done I did I, th- I did think like okay that's if that's it then that's cool I've done I've done enough that I can be happy and I can you know I'd, I'd done TNA boot camp by that point as well of like course. British boot camp it hadn't aired yet I think it aired did it air just after I retired no, it might have aired just before, actually. It might have aired in the October before. So I'd done that. That was an amazing experience. Um, so like, I'd, and I'd had so many good experiences by that point. And I was like, I'd wrestled to Tunker that summer. <laughs> well, amazing experience. I loved that. That was one of the funnest things I've ever done in wrestling. Um, and so I was like, yeah, no, this is, this is, a, good, this is a good way to go out. So, um, and I was done. And then wrestling pulls you back in. And then you know, then you realise that you could juggle the job. This and- is it. And this is it. Well, you know, I mean, to, to be fair, the decision to come back wasn't hard um, you know and I did spend a year and a half a year and a quarter out of the ring I did spend a year and a quarter out of the ring um, I did do some seminars in that time like I took some seminars um, but what made it hard is that two things happened one obviously Progress contacted me again and were like we'd like you to come and like do some video stuff so I think it's like we'd like you to do the preview for the Strong Style 16 tournament of that year you know, I think it was the 2015 was it the first one might have been the first one um, they said we want you to just do the preview with Glenn so I did that and then they were like we're actually going to go to live commentary. Jim's not going to do the commentary anymore. We're going to do live commentary. Would you be interested? And I was like, okay, that seems like a pretty cool avenue to to kind of go down. And it's, it's local as well. Yeah, it's and it's easy and I know everyone. And I was like, okay, so yeah. So I agreed to be their live commentator as well. So I was like, that's cool. Um, 
And at the same time, Dave Sharp from 4FW contacted me. He said, you know, um, I've got a guy, i got a Thai guy. He's like my main guy. Uh, he's not a great talker, though, and I kind of want someone he to be his sick, manager. though. He is Great sick. wrestler. Tiger's an amazing wrestler. Um, he said, but he's not much of a talker, and I, I really want someone to be his, his, his voice box and be his manager. Would you be interested in doing it? So I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, oh, I think I'm going to try and get Rishi Ghosh. And me and Rishi go way back, and we're like, we're going to call you like the Three Kings, and you know, you'll be like a stable. So split between sitting watching progress shows in, in the best seat in the house, which is the commentary booth, um, between doing that and also um, between doing that and doing four FW gigs, you just it's so hard not to want to wrestle when you're seeing so such good wrestling going on all the time. And you see, and you're going, I can do this. It, can, it gets harder and harder does. and harder and harder to not be part of that. Um, and so I got to a point where I was like, do you know what? Like, I'm I'm not happy my in my personal life. Like we're still trying for a baby. We're not nothing's happening. I need a release. I need something. I need a creative release. I, exactly. I need something. And what's the one thing I love other than my wife? It's pro wrestling. And so it wasn't a hard decision to kind of go, sod it, I'm gonna put the tights back on. Um so I contacted FPW who had a, like a rumble show. Um and they were like, Yeah, do you wanna come and be like a surprise yep. surprise rumble entrant at FPW and I did and that was my first one back and it was great, it was an amazing moment. Again, that was a really amazing moment because I was it was a complete surprise. People didn't even know I was there, so um and then you know and then yeah slowly got got back into it got back into into wrestling again and I haven't I haven't really looked back since to be honest it's been uh, it's been great and you're loving it I'm loving it and like I said so many good opportunities are coming up now at the moment you know and so much good stuff is going on and um, you know and I would be lying if I said I wasn't hugely jealous of everyone who's getting all these great opportunities but I can't fault the, the people who are getting them deserve them yeah. you know they, they absolutely deserve them I see the people who've been signed to contracts and I think yeah you're, that's good I'm really pleased that's happened for you and it should um, and you know I just think I think the world the world of wrestling has changed because I, I know for you know I know pretty much straight up or a couple of years back with WWE if you weren't six foot and you were over 30 forget it it wasn't going to happen for you and I've got friends who've told me that who've, who went to tryouts and got told that yeah but now the world's changed like age is not as big a thing you know you've got people like Trent Trent's similar age to me um, and he's doing absolutely brilliantly at the moment um and they're going for the, you know they like, they seem to remember all shapes and sizes and for me pro wrestling should be all shapes and sizes it really it's a, should it's a variety it's absolutely variety. it's a circus it is circus. be careful though when you talk about that because I was on TV talking about wrestling being a circus and I mentioned midgets and they bleeped out the word midgets you might have to bleep out the word midgets I should stop saying midgets you <laughs> <laughs> should have to bleep it out <laughs> But yeah, they bleeped that out when I said it on TV once. So. I might, I might see the, let you see the first one and then bleep all <laughs> the others up. I might do that just for a laugh. I'm pretty much going to do that. So yeah, it's um, but yeah, that's no, great. And I think there's there's loads. Of, I mean, like like my voice has been on WWE.com and on their YouTube channel, and it's, it was either your match with um, Zach. I think it was or the Gallagher. Who did Gallagher wrestle? Brain's gone. I know who it is. I will wait for Why you. Why is my brain gone? Right, I'm waiting for you to... Where are we today? It's Pete, isn't it? It it's is. Pete. <laughs> it's Pete. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm getting so old. Um, my, my voice ended up on one of those, which ended up on, like, WWE's official YouTube. And that's cool. That's, like... I think, it, I, know, think it's, so. I think it's Pete and... I think it's Pete and Gallagher, because I do believe that something was said and Glenn had to go back and post... Yeah, I think... Hours. It, yeah. So I think like it's that, just so. Glenn's voice on my own. So that's been, that's been pretty cool. So, and obviously being linked to Progress as well is great because obviously they've got links with WWE as well and there's world of sport happening at the moment. Yeah. So it, there's loads of great opportunities. So, you know, I'm still... I'm not I'm not saying I'm holding out for opportunities but I'm, I'm, I'm 
glad to see there are some and it'll be I think there's things I could still do so oh, that's, that's which is really cool so that's good yeah. how, how I like to use the end is then is uh, if you were to give yourself your former self some advice or anyone coming into the wrestling world um, advice, what would what, it be what would I tell my former self um don't have any regrets don't don't be afraid to go for stuff uh, I think that always held me back a little bit I was always a little bit afraid I was always I very much clung to teaching as my backbone I think I used teaching as my excuse not to do stuff in wrestling okay. I think I did that a lot and I was like oh but teaching pays me so well oh I've got such a steady I've got a house I've got such a steady home life I would I would say you know get your ass in the gym get in great shape go try out for WWE go try out for TNA go do those things you know um because he, and like because whenever opportunities have come along, I've almost thought of like, thought of ways to talk myself out of doing it. Well, a lot of and people my, do. And my my big is don't be afraid to do it. Just just go and do it. Worst thing and, can happen is you fail. Exactly. The worst thing is they'll say no. And if that's the worst that can happen, you know, the, the world is such a great big place. There's so many opportunities out there. So don't pass up an op- up an opportunity because you're too afraid. Uh, be brave and go for it. Would that be the same advice you give to people coming in as well at the moment? No. Definitely, definitely. You know, just just you know. The opportunities, especially now, the opportunities are there. Yeah. So take them with both hands and, and run with them. Okay, where can they find you on the interweb? Uh, I am on Twitter at RJ Singh is King. Verified? No, 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 <laughs> no. Even though, even though, like, like I did everything they asked. <laughs> I did everything they asked. This is such a sore and subject. people with less followers than me got verified. <clears throat> That's all I have to say about that. I'm not verified, but I am on Twitter <laughs> at RJ Singh is King. I'm on Instagram, and guess what? You've had this before. King RJ Singh, because someone has already got RJ Singh is King on Instagram, and that person doesn't post anything. I can't have Flash Morgan it's just, either. It's, fla- it's, I have to have it's Flash insane. Morgan. It's absolutely Actually, insane. I think I have Flash Morgan website now, but I couldn't have. Yeah, I don't know who these people are who are just grabbing up the Instagram accounts. and like So, yeah, so on Instagram, I'm King RJ Singh. Um, as opposed to my, my Twitter so but yeah that's where you can find most no, of my no Facebook page so, I have actually do you know what I, I keep forgetting that I do have a Facebook page RJ Singh if you type in you know RJ Singh Facebook Facebook slash RJ Singh um, I do have a Facebook page there as well so I can be yeah. found there that's so. brilliant RJ it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having really, me really really brilliant. finally got around to do it there we go Mate, that's Excellent. great thanks what did I tell you Brilliant, isn't it? Really, really, really good podcast. I said to you, everything I could have hoped from a podcast, really. You've got the highs, you've got the low. That story about why he missed the first Progress show really did catch me off guard. I had a sense as he was talking about it that it came, what was coming next. But it still doesn't make it any easier to listen to. And it, my heart my heart was pounding so, so much, standing, <laughs> looking in his eyes and just... And I'm, I'm glad that he, he felt comfortable enough and he felt relaxed enough to open up and tell me that story. Because, again, it really does give you an insight to uh, why he wasn't at Progress, of course, but also his personal life and RJ himself and how close is his relationship with the other wrestlers who reached out at that time. Ah, oh, but brilliant. And I, I just I just love the whole, like, he never said it was a retirement, even though we did. But uh, I'm glad that he is... He is back some places. Never ever got to have a match with RJ. So it's apparently was going to happen in NGW. But I've had to change my dates. Because I did clash with Attack. So it's not happening now. But it probably will happen down the line. And he's somebody I really really want to wrestle. I get on with him. No end outside the ring. As you can probably tell from this podcast. So I have no doubt that we'll have some great chemistry in the ring. 
But as I said, from the top to bottom, this podcast really was one of my favourites just because it was just a great retrospect and it gave you a full highs, lows, ups, downs, backs, forths on everything. And it was just a really good start to what ended up being a really nice day. So big thanks to RJ Singh for coming on the show. And I'm really, really glad that he got to tell his story because it really is a great one. So yeah, thanks RJ. Really appreciate it. Next week's guest is Tony Storm. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've been able to tell you who next week's guest is. So yeah, go Tony Storm on the show next week. It's a really nice podcast. She's really fun. She's really excitable. She's in Orlando right now. She's really, it's really fun, it's really excitable, and we just have a little bit of a chat, a little chat about her starts in, her starts in Australia, we talk about her start in Australia, we talk about where she was born, we talk about her falling in love with wrestling and kind of keeping it secret from her family, and I think you really get a taste of just how fun-loving and how full of energy this girl is, and she really is great to be around just because she's just so much fun. So yeah, next week's guest is a lovely little episode with the Australian beauty, Tony Stone. Of course, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please be sure to jump over to our sponsors, unprofessionalwrestling.co.uk, and check them out. Make sure you grab some tickets for their upcoming debut show in London. And also, go check out my mobile website, bigartel.com store. As I said, there's not a lot over there right now, but you can probably still pick up a DVD and a picture from over there. But keep your eyes peeled because new teachers will be dropping and walk about on Sunday, and then I'll have them up by next week's show. So definitely go check that out. But of course, if you can't afford to give anything back and never expect it, please just give me a shout out on the Twitter at Flash underscore Morgan or hashtag Wrestling Friends, or you could do that over at the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster, or if you do want to send me a little discreet email like some of you have done before or want to send me some tech advice or maybe you want to sponsor the podcast or book me for an upcoming events, seminar, podcast, whatever you want to book me for, then all book inquiries can be done over at flashmorgan at live.co.uk. So send me an email if you want to do any of that. I love seeing those tweets, love seeing those Facebook posts, love seeing those emails. So please be sure to jump over and do that. All's left to say really is big thanks for listening. As I said, this was started this podcast because I got injured and it was something to do. And now it's something I love to do every single week. And I love trying to find people to sit down and chat wrestling with. And it doesn't always have to be wrestling. I've had some referees on. I've had some announcers. I've had some promoters. And I'm looking to uh, maybe branch that out to people as well that are well known within their own field. And uh, they're just big wrestling fans. So maybe I'll have a few... I have a few in mind that I would like to sit down with. I'm not going to say who, but hopefully I can get those. Uh, I can get those done in a few shows' time because I really just want to branch it out and it to become a podcast in which I sit down with people I've met through wrestling, people who've become my friends because of this wonderful world of professional wrestling. So that's all this is really. It's, it's now a vessel for me to sit down and chat with my friends that I've met through wrestling while you wonderful people get to listen to our conversation. So that's all it is. So yeah, big thanks to you guys for listening. Big thanks for RJ Singh for coming on the show. Big thanks to Tony Storm for being next week's guest. Big thanks to our sponsors and professional wrestling. And I say it once again, but big thanks to you guys for listening because without you guys, I would just be a crazy guy talking into a recorder with nobody giving a damn about what I'm saying. So yeah, big thanks to you guys. So all that's left to say then, I'm being Flash Morgan and it's always a pleasure. It's always a treasure. And bye. Thanks for stopping by. Bye guys.